1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the week one episode of the Gilcast. You're on the Roto-Grinders Network. I'm Sammy Reed, and I'm joined by my two fishy friends, Josh ADHD and Nate Newling. Boys, what's up? How you doing, Nate? I
2: am a little, little tilted after the Paris game that was uh, demoralizing, <laughs> demoralizing second half. I can't imagine being more elated than I was after that first half. Uh, Khalil Mack just took the soul of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, every move was dominant. I was on cloud nine, and my soul was ripped from my innards.
1: How was that? Uh, how was that ride home with your girlfriend? Like, what was that like? <laughs> it was dead silent. <laughs> Bro, I, I legit got in a fight with my wife after the Steelers died this morning. <laughs> she came down and she's like, what do you want for lunch? And I'm like, why are you asking me for lunch? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Josh, what's up, dude? How how was your day today?
3: It sounded like you wanted a W for lunch and you didn't get to eat one.
1: No, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I, I, I ate something completely bland and awful. Like, it was like not 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 eating it was not eating something good it was just like yeah eating your sister's tongue basically
3: so do you have like that mike tomlin look on your face whenever the steelers are laying a giant ass egg on the road in an early kick
1: oh uh, where, where like my my bottom lip juts out a little bit and i'm just like mm-hmm.
3: yeah just kind of mugging
1: yeah yeah i definitely do that
3: all right so sorry I, I, enough nut kicking aside i i'm good man things are good I had, a, I had a pretty good day i didn't get to watch a lot of football i'll catch up on game pass you know, starting tomorrow. And I did pretty good for, you know, flopping around on the deck like a fish all afternoon. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So I survived, baby. That's, week that's good. Week,
1: week one is all about survival. If you are new to this podcast, uh, basically what we do is we get together and we review our lineups for this weekend and we make fun of uh, ourselves and each other for all the terrible decisions that were made Week one, I you know, you really just want to lose your hat. You don't want to lose your hat because it's a really interesting dynamic where pricing has been out for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, but then so much stuff changes since that pricing comes out. And so it creates all these, like, really weird dynamics where you're, like, kind of forced into some plays, but at the same time you're not sure if they'll work out because we actually don't know what's going to happen. You just have a bunch of idiots on Twitter talking about snap counts in the preseason and stuff like that, which means, you know, pretty much nothing even that's like really bad data so uh so here we go so nate how did you do in cash mate tell me tell me what your lineup did
2: um i actually had a pretty solid day in cash uh for week one overall so i put up a i had 259.38 uh, in cash um on DraftKings. kings fits magic for the win oh my god Fitz magic for the win! Oh my
1: god, I'm so I'm so tilted about this. this if
2: only magic. if only all of the listeners could see the text thread that we had going this <laughs> morning, you David, where you tried to ridicule me to no end through playing Fitz. I and mean, how, like it sounds so bad right now,
1: like saying it's a bad play because
2: all the. Sammy, producers... I just want to. I just want to tell you something: five thousand dollars, four passing touchdowns one rushing touchdown, 417 uh, passing yards, 36 rushing yards, with a 300-plus yard bonus. How does that sound for $5,000?
1: I mean, my, my face hurts from Fitzmagic thrusting into it all day long. I can't believe he did this. Like, the, the New Orleans defense is supposed to be good. They were good last year. He's like the biggest road underdog of the week. How did this happen? I just I, I just I'm I'm at a loss. And the projection systems liked him too. It wasn't like, you know, this was out of nowhere.
2: Honestly, the only reason projection systems liked him is just because there was volume in his projected to be throwing.
1: Yeah, but volume is not that important for quarterbacks.
2: But at 5k, when you're gonna when you're gonna have a QB like this, like Fitz, who who who's able to do that, he does have some targets. That team actually I mean, we saw it with Godwin, we saw it with Evans. There is some I don't know. There's some reasons to like that Tampa Bay team. Um, I liked Fitz at his price this week. It was obviously nobody was able to project this. This was obviously in his top point zero 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 one percentile outcome for him.
1: But oh my god, it, it, you can't imagine the tilt that I felt. Like I have like New Orleans in my like Survivor pool. I have them in my Pickems league. Uh, you know, I'm making fun of you for playing Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and, and Davis Davis swapped – what did he swap? He swapped Fitzpatrick and Sanders for, for Dalton and Amendola. Dalton and
2: Amendola. Where Davis is Davis made, right now? Davis made the worst swap of the week by far.
3: I mean, oh, he's flying he, to Canada, I hope, to avoid he, extradition he, because yeah. that's, that's bad, bro. <laughs> it
1: was so in- egregious. <laughs> I think Davis is broke, and he's just
3: like, <laughs> I'd like I, I, I wish he was here to acquit himself. I want to hear the process behind moving from sanders to amandola no davis
1: doesn't, have, doesn't have, have internet anymore he's like off xfinity and he has to get like at&t now if
2: you guys have seen that office episode where michael runs out and sits on the train and just goes i don't know where it's going that's basically what davis did he went to the <laughs> airport found a cheap flight and just said i don't know where it's going but i gotta get out
3: <laughs> that's a messed up way to get internet man but whatever works unreal josh how, how was
1: your day in Cashmate?
3: Yeah, Dave was pretty good. I survived uh not rostering anybody from Pittsburgh or anybody from Tampa Bay and things <laughs> worked out. I, I I pretty much had the nuts at wide receiver and slotted a wide receiver in at my flex, so I hit 100% of my cash games, is it okay? We're pretty so, happy with it. So what was what was the score? All right, so I had 20886 today with no with no Connor. And no Tampa. Oh my god. It, Josh, if I had okay. played if you I
1: have played to. you heads up and you would beat me, like I'm looking through my head to heads, and I'm like, dude, this guy took me down, he didn't even play James Connor. You can't even imagine like how flipped out I'd be right now.
3: See, okay. that's part well, of the reason why I don't play the chalk like that. To tilt we need people. to talk about the Connor. <laughs> I,
2: I I I don't get the Connor thing. How could like, tell me the process that you were going Okay, through. so
3: my, my process was that I was locked in on James White all week. I thought James White, for PPR stuff, what we're talking about here, I thought James White was the better play. And once I saw the weather in Cleveland. Wait, 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 wait. wait hold wait, on. Like, straight up? No, I didn't like him better than Connor straight up. So, I just, let me equip myself here. I'm all going right, through all the right. process. Go ahead. So, let's, let's once, the I saw the, once I saw the weather report this morning where I saw a Gust in the 30s, I decided to get out of that game completely because I thought I just thought it would be a disaster. And it could be a disaster either way. And obviously Connor smashed. At forty two hundred, he absolutely smashed. And I I'm still okay with my process to get out of that. I really am, because I thought James White was just fine. Now James White's not gonna see the volume that Connor's gonna see. But I also thought there was an outside chance that Connor would split the load a little bit with Jalen Samuel or with somebody else. So, you know, I bet I screwed up. I got gills. You know. Like I said, I survived. You, you I, I have, made a bad decision and I survived.
1: You have one single orifice called a <laughs> cloaca, cloaca. Cloaca,
3: cloaca. Come on, man.
1: And that's how you excrete and mate all at once. I mean, anytime you can roster like a third down back who like is in a like three back rotation over like the most fantasy friendly spot you can get, you know, against the Cleveland Browns. You just got to do it.
3: I understand. Wait, all right. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about this. Why are the Cleveland Browns a target for running backs? I want to hear this story because I don't think they are.
1: What do you mean? They were they're, – they're, they're, Greg Williams is their
3: defensive coordinator. Th- that doesn't mean they're a bad run defense, though. Okay,
2: regardless, this is missing This is missing the forest. It's three. missing the, the, volume, the, of the, day, the volume point. You have a $4,500 running back who you know is going to see, like, minimum 60% You know, rushing attempt share and oh, 80, and I'm, 80 top, yeah, I'm saying minimum 60 you could safely project 80% um you know with all of the passing work that white is going to have so i i don't know i i just and i like white from an efficiency standpoint i love white from receiving upside perspective i love white he's obviously got more talent than connor
3: but but uh, the other but the other I thing like the is offense.
2: like new
1: england was a giant favorite and that doesn't play into white's hands that well like i know they're short on receivers etc but like If they blow out uh, Houston, which, I mean, they didn't, like, blow them out, but, like, that doesn't lead to White being on the field all that
3: much. Like, I'll argue the favorite thing a little bit. Like, obviously, they were, what, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But I thought that game had a chance for both teams to get into the 30s, like it did last time. I thought both of those offenses could run up and down the field. And if both offenses are running up and down the field, James White's going to be utilized heavily. So, if I talk about that kind of game script and I talk, obviously, talk myself into that kind of game script, then you could almost, and I want to say this, almost make a point that he's better than Connor. Now, you guys have the right point. Connor gets all the volume, and you chase volume at running back when it's $4,200. So, I fully admit, it was a bad choice. Yeah, I mean we ended up him.
1: we ended up with like 36 touches for Connor and like Yeah,
3: I mean he, he crushed, dude. He absolutely crushed. And next week when he's 6200 dollars or whatever they ends up being, you know, you're going to have to make a choice whether he's worth playing at that point or not and go looking for for value elsewhere. So yeah, I screwed that up. I got saved by my wide receiver choices. Well, There's no I just, doubt about it?
1: If
2: there I mean, was a pivot off of off of Connor for his price tag, I think I would have looked at potentially, potentially like a Freeman for Denver at 4,500, similar price tag, and I thought you know could project similar volume, but um,
1: yeah, that didn't happen. I just
2: yeah, it didn't happen. But yeah. I mean, I would that would have been a a play that I wouldn't have thought was. I mean, he did get 15 rushing attempts, you know, but
1: well, it, this is this is really dismaying to me, gentlemen, because I am the low man here. Somehow, some way, at one hundred and ninety-two point seven two points in cash, I'm like significantly less than both of you. Like Nate, almost. I mean, it feels like you doubled my score. How did this even happen? Fitz magic.
2: Fitz magic, Kenny Stills. I mean, the Kenny Stills thing. Oh, like, that's that's awesome. Spend it. That was like oh. So I mean, like, oh.
1: the late the late game early hammer like <laughs> that's, the, the early game hammer is basically what it was that was solid
2: yeah at halftime in the first and at the first games it was like every one of those guys that you know was above what I had projected them for already so
1: yeah okay so you had magic. Did, did you play magic, Josh is this no I
3: did not I played Keenum oh really I did okay. Okay.
1: So
2: let's just walk through our lineups real quick. I'll just read mine. I had Fitz, Kamara, uh, Connor, Michael Thomas, Kenny Stills, Keenan Cole, uh, Gronk, McCaffrey, and then
1: the Patriots' D. I mean, you and I were, were fairly close. Josh, uh, what, was, what was yours?
3: Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be off the radar for you guys for sure. So I had Keenan at quarterback. Who went with Elliott and James White at running back. Uh, wide receivers were Keenan Allen, Manny Sanders, Michael Thomas. I flexed A.J. Green. I ran uh, Jack Doyle at tight end, and then I had Brown's defense.
2: No, I, I think your receivers are definitely, like, probably the sharp ones. I I, I think all of those guys I liked. I think Keenan yeah. would be the one that I probably would have been the most scared of. But I think A.J., I mean, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders was somebody I wanted to get in all day. I just couldn't make it work for him. How
1: much, how much was Elliott? Because Elliott was not – as like a as like a road underdog, he was not really on my radar at all. How much did he yeah seven,
3: seven yeah he was seventy seven hundred and okay. i so like Connor like Elliot was a volume play for me. I thought Elliot would see close to thirty touches today if if Dallas had any semblance of semblance of offense, any yeah. semblance, and with Dallas being a total you know ass on offense, he still saw seventeen point six points out of that, so I mean he had seventeen rushes. And a, uh, three receptions. So if they have a better game script and they can stay on the field a little bit, he's probably you know flirting with thirty touches.
1: Yeah, Elliot's. I mean, Elliot's always a good volume play. So I didn't. I was. I was either. I was either up to like Camara or I was down to that like six grand and then the Connor range down there. So I, I didn't really get to get to Elliot. Where I went, uh, the fishy thing that I did. Number one, I played Andy Dalton in cash, which was just. I mean, just, I'm beside myself. This is such a bad choice, you guys. Like, Andy Dalton is a blunder and a fool. He's like, he's like Cobra Commander. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I played Andy Dalton. It was just like, it worked with the the money. And I think that's a bad reason to do it. You know, like, I liked, I, Breeze and Rivers were the two guys I really wanted in cash. And I just didn't get there because I don't prioritize quarterback. Um... And I'm just a straight fish for playing Andy Dalton. He's just so bad and such a bad decision to ever play him, ever. Uh, At running back, I went Connor, Kamara, and McCaffrey, just like Nate. Uh, I went Keenan Allen, Keelan Cole, and A.J. Green at receiver, Jack Doyle, and Patriots defense. So uh, a bunch of smashing went on, but that Andy Dalton play is just like, just, I mean, go ahead and rip me. It's just really bad.
3: I'm really concerned about that Keelan Cole pick.
2: I was gonna say we did. That might have been the one thing that I felt
1: not I mean, that great know. about, huh?
2: Yeah, at three point eight, I felt like I kind of had to, but only seeing four targets. Dd out targeted him, um, wasn't smashing, and I don't know. It just didn't look. I felt pretty fishy about that one. I felt it like smelled
3: funny all long. week
1: long to me. I felt <laughs> like I
2: got some bad shock there. I'm not. Gonna
1: yeah, a hundred percent bad shock. And if you look at Jacksonville's like target share what they did in this game, it was kind of what a reasonable person would expect. Nobody took the lead in that game. It was just like all spread out. Like TJ Yeldon led the team with seven targets and all the receivers were like three to six. It was just like a hodgepodge. Like of course any reasonable person would expect. Oh no, Cole's going to be like the number one receiver. Like nah, dude. Yeah.
2: Moncrief was worked in way more than I was expecting. Uh, Moncrief saw five targets and had, um, almost 100 air yards he had 99 air yards Didi um six targets for 55 air yards and then yeldon had seven targets so keelan was like not even number one not number two not number three he was like the fourth receiver yeah so i i did feel kind of fishy
1: he he was that guy that i played in cash and like didn't put in any tournament lineup because i because and and when you do that you know it's bad chalk 'Cause you're like, dude, everyone's gonna play Keelan Cole and like that's stupid. I'm not playing that in tournaments, I'm trying to win. Uh but in cash, it's like, well, you know, there's some value there and you know, it's cool. So uh yeah. So so Josh, you avoided that bad chalk. So that was that was a shrewd move.
3: I opted for bad chalk at running back instead.
2: <laughs> Do you know who who the sharp play would have been that okay. wasn't Keelan Cole, the cheap wide receiver? <laughs>
3: Kenny Stills. Deshaun Jackson, probably. John Ross? I
2: Bruce Ellington, yeah, oh, yeah, Bruce no. Ellington, yeah. As soon Sammy, as I want to say, I I need to say this. I honestly go, do.
0: Go I, ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm not. Said, I'm not. I said
2: this before noon, and I actually believed it. Now, even after lock, I think Bruce Ellington, with Will Fuller being out, I think we could have predicted Bruce Ellington for as safe of a target share as Keelan Cole, and I think we were proven. I mean, he saw way more, and he at least has like upside in his in his profile. So he has an an
1: actual good quarterback throwing to him.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I just, yeah, I felt like Bruce Ellington, I think would have was if, if I think if scenarios were the exact same and Keelan Cole and Bruce Ellington had the exact same amount of time to stew in fantasy Twitter mindset for the last three weeks, I think they would have had similar ownerships. The issue is the Will Fuller or the Bruce Ellington thing didn't really become a play until 10 a.m. this morning with Will Fuller being inactive and therefore the talk wasn't there for us to analyze it. This, it
1: this actually might be a good take, Nate, and it might be a good take. for, for here's, here's the thing about Jacksonville. Jacksonville makes no bones about who they are. They want to be a uh, we're going to get ahead of you and we're going to jam the ball down your throat kind of team. They do not want to pass the ball at all. Bortles is a blunder and a fool. And so if they have positive game script, dude, there's not going to be any targets going around. They're not going to air the ball out. They're not going to do any of that. They're going to do some rollouts and throw the ball to the flat and then give it to Fournette, and that's what they're going to do. And they were ahead in this game, and that's exactly what happened. None of their receiving options smashed. And uh, meanwhile, like Houston rated to be down in that game against the Patriots. They're going to air it out. Belichick is going to try to double DeAndre Hopkins, and it's going to leave room for the other targets. I'm I'm actually sold on this take now the more they think about it.
2: Yeah, I just think Houston – like when you look at teams that want to want to pass the ball Houston versus uh, you know, Jacksonville in this, we know that if game script does ever go Jacksonville's way, what are they going to do? They're going to run it down the field with Leonard Fournette. So I think trying to get a cheap wide receiver, look at a team that's going to be throwing the ball, look at a team that's going to air it out look at a team that has quarterback with talent. And I think that was where I made my mistake with Keelan Cole. And I just, I've sat on it for two. I mean, We've been talking about him as a play for weeks, you know? I know. I know. So I think it was just yeah. groupthink is so strong in week one that um,
1: – Yeah, yeah it's bad. It's bad. Josh, talk to me a little bit about your thought process when you were selecting receivers because you really hit on the receivers. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm not sold on your running back plays, but your receiver plays were all really sharp. Not only did you play good guys, but you uh, avoided the bad ones, unlike myself and Nate.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, at wide receiver, like running back, I'm looking for volume and I'm looking for games that I think can, you know, both teams can hit upper 20s into the 30-point range. And, you know, KC and and the Chargers, to me, that was kind of an easy button for offense. We felt that game was just going to go ham. And it ended up going ham in a good way. If it goes ham, Keenan Allen's going to hit because he's probably going to see about a dozen targets. So well, and,
1: I, and, and I was hearing a bunch of stuff like Kansas City's secondary is really bad, but their one good cornerback is Fuller, who's their slot corner, You know, rated high by PFF, et cetera, et cetera. And that was not even close to sufficient enough to, to get me off of Keenan Allen.
3: Uh, I agree with that
1: hundred percent Keenan gets so much volume. Like you said, that game was supposed to go big. A lot of sharp people stayed away from Keenan Allen. Why do you agree with that? And why do you think that was, that was not a good take?
3: Well, it's, uh, Keenan Allen's like a legitimately really good receiver. And oh, yeah. even if they put Fuller on him in the slot, Keenan Allen's going to get his share. He's going to beat Fuller plenty of times and yeah. we've seen him do it. He's beaten good cornerbacks before. So, you know, to say that that scheme is going to defeat defeat Keenan Allen, I think that's that, that's a fallacy. He's probably and the
1: th- best route runner in the league. It's like him I, and Antonio Brown are neck and neck for best best route runner.
3: I, yeah, I, I think he's definitely in the conversation. And I don't know. It's just Philip Rivers can find dudes. I, I, you know, he's a shot putter, but he seems to be able to stick the ball in places where his guys can get it. And Keenan Allen's a guy that can go fight for the ball and get it if he needs it. And, you know, we saw that on the touchdown that he scored today was just, you know, it was a, it was an awesome score. And Keenan Allen had to go get the ball a bit. And He did. And he won, you know, he won that battle. And it, anytime I think that, that the chargers are going to be in an offensive, you know, slugfest, I think you have to be on Keenan Allen.
1: And here's, here's the thing the Kansas city chiefs, in my opinion, are going to be the number one team to target this year, not just because their defense is bad, but also because their offense is so good. That's just going to be, that's going to be like the New Orleans Saints. You know what I mean? They're going to be the Saints of, you know, three years ago in the Superdome or the Saints of today, <laughs> if you were right, where they yeah. have enough offense to go back and forth with you. You can't just like get ahead of them and run it out. Like that's going to be a team that, that you want to have shares of and shares against. I think it's Casey and Pittsburgh next week. In Pittsburgh, I, I want to say, and that's just like that's going to be the chalk game. I know that. I like.
3: I can't. I cannot wait to roster Juju. I can't. Oh, wait. Oh yeah. I mean, oh. he's to me. He's he's the dude. You think? He's yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, we know Antonio's going to eat, right? Because yeah. Keenan Allen ate today. So we know the stud wide receiver is going to eat. We also know that Pittsburgh's probably going to zip the ball around fifty times. Oh. And you can't get fifty targets to Antonio Brown. Somebody else has to get some targets. Mm-hmm. I, I think Juju's a lock, dude. I I like Juju a lot. I I think of
1: Juju, especially, like, there's people out there, you know, you play DFS, you play seasonal, a lot of people play dynasty. We've seen this in the past with, like, uh, like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, where Isaac Bruce was the man. And then Torrey Holt was, like, the young buck. And, like, as he got a little older, I mean, he was the best receiver in the league for a couple years. And as he got older, Torrey Holt ascended into that role. We saw it with uh, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Right, And I think we'll see that with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster coming up in the next couple of years here, too. And Juju's already, I mean, today at 119
3: yards. Like, he's a beast. He is a beast. Already. He's 21. It's, yeah. it's just incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, Juju.
3: So, you played
1: Doyle at tight end. I did. Right? I also played Doyle at tight end. Nate, you did not play Doyle at tight end. I did not. You played an actual good tight end. You played, I played a guy, the best tight end. His you mate, played the best tight end. How on a scale of like of like one to, I don't know, a, a Marlin, are we for not playing Gronk in cash? How bad was that, really?
2: Well, I mean, I I would say this. I would say Gronk probably hasn't been a must play in cash in a couple of years. Like we haven't seen Gronk healthy in a while. Um, Gronk has not been the main target for Brady like this in a while where this week just shaped up where, I mean, looking at this late, I kind of just said, I think Gronk's like a lock. Like even if from a projection standpoint, it might not show that. Like I just, it, it felt like a lock Gronk spot. And mostly that's because there was no Edelman. Mostly it was because this is the first season that we've really seen a healthy Gronk. And I, I thought Brady was going to go to him heavy. And obviously Hogan um, got, I think from a projection standpoint, if, if I, I feel like most uh, sites were very high on Hogan in this spot, um, and I think some of that just is over is overrating Hogan's target share because of the fact that we haven't seen a healthy Gronk from last year. And I'm gonna play so much
1: Hogan next week; you have no idea he's gonna at the be end like of the day. Play.
2: At the end of the day, though, like Gronk is Brady's go-to. Like you know, when he's healthy, when he's there, I mean, he's gonna go to him. So um, oh, yeah. I think without Edelman, without D- I mean, the
1: Never running mind, back he's playing Jacksonville. I'm out.
2: I was going to say, I wouldn't do that if I were you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm out. But I'm out. Never mind. Rescind. Week three. That'd be your chance to jump on. Um, All right. Two bad weeks. We. I'm calling it now. Week three, Chris Hogan smash. Here's, here's the thing about Doyle, and and I want to get your take on this too, Josh. It
2: wasn't I, that Doyle was a bad play. It was just that Gronk was the play.
1: It. But I'm not quite sure. And And the reason is this. My justification for playing Doyle is that – He, I mean, last year he saw a 24% target share in, in the, the Colts offense. And that was tied with Travis Kelsey for the highest of all tight ends. And he's 3.6. And I said, okay, I know Ebron's there now. I know that he might take some looks from Doyle, but at the end of the day, you're still getting that kind of volume for 3.6, even if it's a dis, if, if, if it's less volume. Even if it's three quarters of the volume, I still think that's great for three point six. And instead, I, I believe that Ebron kind of like out targeted him in this game. I could be wrong because I didn't see how the how the end finished up. But
2: no, Doyle no. got the work. Doyle got plenty of work. Doyle got ten targets, seven or seven. Did he didn't get ten.
3: Yeah, he got Doyle. ten targets, oh, and he had that's not had, fish. No, that's yeah,
2: cool. I, I don't think Doyle was fish. What I'm what I'm saying is, I just think Gronk was the play.
3: Yeah, yeah. I you really Gronk want Gronk and- in. I had Gronk in all week long, all week long, and then I pivoted this morning and just you know rebuilt my lineup a little bit so I could get four receivers in it and get that fourth guy in at to flex. But I agree. The one thing narrative driven for me about Gronk is when he's sixty nine hundred bucks, you play him. You just have to. You just have
1: to play him because I, I
3: don't know. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Is when they price him at sixty nine hundred, he smashes.
1: Those I want to I want to see some Roto-Viz splits, in and out of split sixty nine hundred and not
3: I could pull those numbers
1: please do I'll bet it I'll bet I have to
3: do I'll, I'll have to tweet about that I'll bet yeah, it I mean, Doyle was awesome dude 3600 I mean you don't get a tight end that gets his volume for that price you just don't yeah and I think that going forward I think he and Ebron are both going to be viable at tight end and you could probably you know pick one or the other every week and if you want the volume you go with Doyle and if you want the upside you take Ebron
1: it was like business as usual for Indianapolis, it's like Col- uh, Luck never missed a beat. And I'm sure if we go and look at his A dot, I'm sure it was quite a bit lower uh, than it usually is. I watched some of the game, and it seemed to be a lot of short stuff, tons of short stuff to like Ryan Grant and Doyle and Naheem Hines, etc. But at the end of the day, he still threw the ball 53 times, Andrew Luck did. They got 53 targets. Like, that's an obscene amount.
2: Yeah, Andrew's luck ate out. He was the third lowest on the week, behind only uh Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. And so Oh my God, what a saw, disgusting game. You definitely <laughs> saw a very low a dot from Andrew Luck, which I wait, don't wait.
3: he was below Sam Bradford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow.
2: Below Sam Bradford, below Joe Flacco, below Cam Newton,
3: I mean, he was, yeah. Oh, wow. He's below the Bradford line. We have some concerns here. So the thing with Luck, like for me, that I'm going to look at next week is I'm not going to roster him because I'm scared. And I want to watch him next week to see how he performs because he threw 53 passes today. And a guy coming off the shoulder rehab that he came off of for you know, being out a year and a half, I want to see how workload affects him next week before I even think about taking him going forward, yeah. regardless of what his price is.
1: I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you kind of, the, the other thing about Luck is that, you know, you one of the big parts about his game has been his rushing. And I don't know if you guys watch any of this game, but he only, he only took off one time. And I don't know if that's a schematic thing for Cincy, but that's one of those things where, you know, when you drop back 54 times or 57 times, whatever he did with a couple of sacks, and you only take off rushing once, like that's, that's a little out of character for him usually.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
1: So. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the last thing I guess. Uh, team defenses. So I played the Patriots. Josh, what did you play again? I played Cleveland. Okay, you played <laughs> Jesus, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no wonder you're like. Well, tell me the justification for Greg Williams' defense.
3: <laughs> what? Was- like, I hate. Believe me, I hate Greg Williams. I mean, like that dude turned down seven jobs to coach the Cleveland Browns' defense. But is this just they're, just? they're
1: cheap and, cle- and they, they were two thousand
3: dollars. I mean, they needed four points to hit value. They needed four points. They got sixteen. I mean, I'm walking okay, on easy street right now.
2: Value is a is a myth. Especially a week like this proves that. The, anything that you look at from a salary based expectation uh for NFL doesn't work because you're going to have weeks like this where cash scores of 180 you 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 lost money this week
1: you know yeah, the cash line was ridiculous the cash line, line was
2: insane next week the cash line could be 85 points you know and so i think the idea of in the NFL value is hard because sometimes salaries are all over the place and there's just better plays up and around or below and i think Looking at just well, my guy hit value and I still lost. Well, you can continue to hit value and maybe lose every week. You know,
3: absolutely right. I agree with that a hundred percent. So, the secret reason I'm going to talk to you about about why I played the Cleveland Browns is because they put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Miles Garrett is a beast. He and is. He is. When bro. oh my god, when, he's a. Gamer. When I'm looking for, when I'm looking for a defense to roster that's cheap, I want one that could put pressure on the passer. Because if they can't put pressure on the passer, they're not going to force any errors. And I I felt like Cleveland could get enough pressure on the Roethlisberger, especially in in really bad conditions like they played in today, that they could force some errors. And they did. They ended up – I mean, they were plus five on turnovers.
1: Well, and, and how many did they get, six or seven? I think they had
3: six turnovers today.
1: I mean, Roethlisberger threw three picks, and there were three fumbles lost. So yeah, and six. I think Roethlisberger
3: had one or two of those himself.
1: Six turnovers is just like I, I'm so tilted as a Steelers fan. Like this is unbelievable. Twenty four up, up twenty one to seven in the fourth quarter. Roethlisberger throws for three thirty five. Connor runs for one thirty five. Like how do you even lose this game to the Cleveland Browns? It's just so bad. Or, I mean, tie it, but that's it's a loss. A loss. Just go it's ahead and take loss. it as a loss, it's Sammy. Lost. I'm that's a it's such that an was L. such
2: an egregious. Oh, my God.
1: Like, I mean, you turn the ball over on every drive. Six turnovers. Six turnovers to the Cleveland Browns. That was actually a sneaky, sharp play because Pittsburgh's just always plays down to their level of competition, and they always play poorly on the road. It's just like – and they're without Le'Veon Bell. And say what what you want. Like, Connor had a great game, but that is a, a main cog of their offense. And Connor was, he was responsible for one of the turnovers. So, and that was that was actually like a sneaky, sharp play. Nate, what, what did you do at defense?
2: I ended up going to the Patriots, and that's just because I thought from a um, price perspective on DraftKings, and considering what I thought they were going to be facing from a pass attempt standpoint for Houston, and the... Overall game script, I thought it was a favorable spot to take a defense. When you can take a defense, it's going to face that many passing attempts. They were six and a half point favorites. Um, You know, I I knew Houston loves to throw. Same reasons why I was looking at Bruce Ellington is why I'd be looking at that defense. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I ended up on them. I think they were two point four. And I mean, when you're looking for defenses, some of the things that you really want is a big home favorite. I mean, just just to put it really simply and New England was that. And also, Houston's got a really bad offensive line. That's, that's the, the really weak point in Houston's defense. And it was like, okay, yeah, if they're going to be up and they are going to force Houston to throw, some bad things can happen. And I, I really wanted Baltimore. I also like the Saints a lot, and I'm really glad I didn't get to the Saints because that mm-hmm. would have been a real disaster. Um, but, yeah, I, it was just building the lineup, there were other guys I wanted. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go cheap. Here we go. And and they scored eight points. It was fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, literally, if you just look at defenses and you just click two filters and say, okay, I want a home defense, that is, you know, the biggest favorites. And you have Saints at 3.6, Ravens at 3.8, Patriots 2.4, Vikings 3.5. It was like the Patriots just suck out like a sore thumb here. I just thought from a price perspective they were the play. Even though Ravens and Saints would have been a great play as well, I just – paying $1,400 extra for defense is always tough for me.
1: Yeah, well, it, I, I'd like to make fun of us some more, but we all did really well in cash. I mean, it was a really high cash line. Obviously, a lot of the ch- chalk went off. Uh, Camaro went off. Connor went off. You know, the, the receivers did Michael really Thomas. well. Michael Who Thomas. Michael Thomas. Who was the
2: highest owned player in cash games other than
3: Connor? Um, I actually, I actually don't know. Um, so in the in the massive five dollar double up. Manny Sanders was 46 and a half, God, which I getting... think is a crazy number.
1: He, he was a good play. I just – I wanted him. I just couldn't get to him, and I didn't consider him a priority play. Uh-huh. But I thought he was a good play.
3: Yeah, in the same double-up, Jack Doyle was 46 and a half as well. What was Michael So Thomas? This is like 35,000 teams, and they're still 46 and a half percent owned. That's just crazy. What was, oh, was Mike Thomas, Thomas, he was 25. Wow. Yeah, he was really high too. I was surprised by that number.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm looking at the at the Giants twenty-five dollar and Chris Hogan thirty-three percent yikes. Uh Gronk was twenty, Connor was fifty-six percent. Uh, I'm looking for a manual in the higher stakes, uh Emmanuel was forty percent. So still still really high. I'm looking for some Michael Thomas here. Cause I know that 25 seems strong.
2: low. I'm surprised it wasn't higher for him. Yeah. compared. I think to, people
3: were concerned about volume, that, that, that New Orleans would just have to shut down the passing game because they'd be ahead so much. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think more people went Camara. Like, Camara was 55%. More people went Camara than they went with Thomas. Thomas only 22.4% in the giant $25 double up.
3: Yeah, and I get – you know, what people forget about Michael Thomas is that even when the Saints are ahead, and, you know, we saw it last season, Thomas still got a ton of volume. I mean, he was still seeing 10, 12 targets a game when they were killing people. Yeah. So, if they're in any semblance of a competitive game script, you you can rely, I think, right now on Michael Thomas seeing up to 15 or 16 targets if they need to – you know, if they really need to sling it around like they did today. Yeah.
2: And when you have a god on the other side of the field like Fitzmagic, I mean – that was an easy play, Nate.
3: Just stop it. Just stop
1: it. You're 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 tilting me all over again. I don't want to relive this day. Like this day actually turned out well. I won money, and still, like I feel like I lost.
2: I mean,
3: yeah, how? I was go gonna say as, as soon as as soon as Harvard threw that first touchdown that early in the game, I thought to myself, "Like I screwed up. I played the wrong quarterback today. <laughs> it's just I I didn't see it. Like it it wasn't. It didn't reveal itself to me like it did to Nate." And yeah, kudos to Nate. He, he saw what, what so many people apparently did not see.
1: Yeah, 260 in cash is, is pretty fierce, bro. I got to tell magic. you. Yeah. Um, let's finish this podcast out with some things that we learned uh, from week one. And I think week one's a little tricky because you don't want to overreact to some things, like take them as gospel just because it's just such a small sample. But at the same time, I mean, you have to like... You have to check stuff out and be like, okay, like this, is, this is not what I thought before. And sometimes deciphering those things can be uh, a little difficult. So I, I'd say one thing that really stuck out to me was New Orleans' bad defense. I was really surprised by that. I thought that they made big improvements last year, and they added a couple guys in the offseason too. So I was really surprised to see that their defense was this bad, and I was, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if that will be the case moving forward.
2: Yeah, I have two takeaways, I they're both from the Tennessee um, offense here. I think um, Corey Davis is, you know, I think there were some questions about exactly what was going to be happening here in this offense, and uh, Corey Davis finished the week 8th in overall weighted opportunity rating here. Um, And, I mean, those are the numbers that when we talk about not overreacting early in the season, those are the numbers that you can't overreact to. It's not the efficiency numbers. It's the, uh, it's, the it's the volume numbers. The opportunity, so if we, go, if we yeah. go through down the list and we look at the opportunity, number one, Julio, two, Odell, A.B., Landry, Thielen, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas. Then you have Corey Davis sticking right there at number eight. Um, I don't know. With 13 targets, you know, um, 112 air yards, this is somebody that I think, you know, depending on what his price tag is and everything – I, I think we're gonna be able to see some of this volume moving forward. And I think he's gonna be solidified as an as a receiver to look at, especially with the Delaney injury. So um yeah, I'm 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 excited about Corey Davis moving forward. And then the other note was Deion Lewis was the back to own here. And there was talk all offseason between uh Lewis and Henry, and I think Lewis um based on what we saw here in week one, like there's a very clear direction here that they are going to work to get Lewis the ball. There was scheming. There was plenty of plays. It wasn't just one or two of them that he broke. It was an overall offensive game plan that was written around him. So um, yeah, those are my two takeaways, both from the same team, but um, yeah, just something so right yeah,
3: on. I want to, I want to add a counterpoint on Corey Davis. I have some concerns if they're starting Blaine Gabbert next week and not well, Marcus like, Mariota.
1: like what,
3: like what? I mean, just <laughs> can you imagine, right? I actually have the the only guy, like the only guy that we could that we know that can prop up Blaine Gabbard is Larry Fitzgerald. Like that's, that's the only dude. So, you know, how much of Larry Fitzgerald is Corey Davis? I think I, you know, I think he's probably a reasonable facsimile for a guy in his second year in the pros, but you know, at 13 targets, he only got six of them. That just means that I mean, probably a lot of the targets targets were garbage. And we talk about, you know, Nuke last year was the guy that was the king of garbage targets. So he would get, you know, 18 targets a game and catch seven balls. You watch and your mouth. Hey, <laughs> he won a lot of people, a lot of money last year. So if Corey Davis is going to be New Copkins this year, that's okay. We just have to be prepared for some horrific efficiency if Blaine Garrett's throwing the ball. Horrific efficiency is my middle
2: name. When it comes to NFL wide receivers, I will take – the underpriced wait for him to be nine K by the end of the season while while we're playing him at seven K at six K all weeks one through eight.
1: We we call that the Miguel Cabrera. No, game. we call that <laughs> the new Hopkins.
2: Do you, you week one last year? Week two, week three, week four. Nick oh, yeah. was clearly the play. Clearly the play. He was like five,
1: he was six. Five point one, one week. Yeah. yeah.
2: And people are just not playing him. And then finally people are like, oh wow, these targets are real.
1: Yeah, and at, the, and at the end of the year, he's the number two wide receiver off the
3: board in season. Yeah,
2: and people are paying 9K for him, and it's like, yep, where were yeah. you guys week
1: five? Yeah. What do you got for takeaways, Josh?
3: Yeah, so takeaways for me right now, um, you know, we talked about this pre-show. Dallas is awful. Oh, Egregious. my God, are they so Egregious. bad. Egregious, yes. And th- this is a team that I thought would at least be able to come out and run, like, some reasonable offense today against Carolina. Uh, You know, a team they've been able to prep for for months, you know, to get ready for this game for months. And they come out and they laid the nastiest egg on the road. So I'm not going to have a really hard time even rostering Zeke going forward, even though I know he's going to get a ton of volume because if they're not on the field, he can't do anything. Here's
1: the thing. They, They have no receivers, zero receivers. They have nothing. Like Alan Hearns and, you know, Gallup looks like he could be interesting. But, like, that's it. And their offensive line, which was really really good, is now not even that good. They've had injuries throughout that O line, and it's not really like this big strength anymore. And it's like, what what is this team? It, they, yeah. They're a team without an identity and without good coaching. They're a hashtag bad.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, a couple of teams I have some concerns about that were hyped a lot in the preseason. Number one's the Bears. You know, we saw the Bears tonight. They tried to beat that. I mean, they were very creative with their scheme. But but it appears that their quarterback still needs a little bit of work. And, and that's okay. And I, I see how Nate feels about this, and I apologize. But, Nate, you know, the, the truth Nate, hurts.
1: Nate, I just want you to know this, that Mitch Trubisky, I likened him to Blake Bortles out of the NFL draft. And I think he's bad, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be good. I'm sorry to tell you this. That's how I feel.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite in that camp. I, I think,
2: I think Some Trubisky time to mourn. hasn't even been two hours. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I'm I need sorry a too. And to
1: to and you
2: are and, just pouring salt
1: into. And a true, a true friend will be honest. A true friend will not sugarcoat things for you. I love you. This is, this is out of love. Trubisky's a dog. I'm gonna go cry in the corner. I'm sorry. Yeah.
3: So you know, it's it, this is gonna be the week where we need to diagnose like our team's really this bad or our team's really this good and figure out where the middle is on some of these guys and know what to chase and what not to chase. So, you know, the Niners, obviously the Niners had a bad week. They had a lot of volume. I think they, they did some really good stuff and I think we're definitely going to take a really strong look at George Kittle going for the tight end. George Kittle,
1: son, nine targets.
3: Yeah. So he, he had a healthy workload today. And I think that'll probably continue because they're going to see more teams that have pretty stout secondaries and I think San Francisco's probably just going to need to funnel their offense a little bit through the tight end, you know, and man, probably the other one for me is going to be um, Arizona, you know, like Dallas, they came out and they just stunk it up on offense. And I don't think they're that bad, like versus Dallas, who I think is terrible and bad. The Cardinals, I don't think are that bad, but they showed out badly today. They looked I don't know if it's underprepared, uh, under but they just they just didn't have it today. Washington came out and just overwhelmed them as much as Alex Smith can overwhelm you. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do next week. And I think if they come out really slow out of the gates again next week, you're going to start seeing the people rattling their sabers for Josh Rosen pretty quick.
1: I feel that. I, I also think a really interesting takeaway from this slate was Joe Mixon. Uh, if you look at the percentage of – uh, running back touches. James Connor had 100% of his team's running back touches. Ezekiel Elliott was number two at 94.4, and Joe Mixon was number three, 91.7%. And so we're talking about, okay, they they have Gio Bernard, who's been a good pro, and he's a nice third down back, but they really gave the, a legit bell cow roll to Joe Mixon, and he is good. And he ended up getting, what, 20, 22 touches, but 17 yeah. rushes and seven targets. I mean, making plays on the ground and through the air, like that's a legit dual threat that that they gave him. And that's really, if he's going to be underpriced and get that kind of volume moving forward, I'm in.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. He, he you know, and, and Cincinnati told us that in the preseason when they were playing him. They, they were splitting him out wide. They were throwing him targets. Yeah. And they telegraphed it to us and – you know, he was 6,500, I think, today. And that was a reasonable price, I think, looking back at the workload. So, going forward, if he gets bumped up in the sevens, I think he's going to be in the conversation with the other guys getting plenty of workload.
1: Yeah. Uh, last, last thing, my other takeaway, we should uh, – it was the, uh, was the efficiency regression guys. Alvin Kamara and Tyreek Hill just immediately put all that stuff to bed. And in a, in a disgusting way that they did this. And I, I just, I mean, Nate, you're a numbers guy. How do you like reconcile that sort of stuff? Were you off these guys going into seasonal? Uh, are you off them in general? I know you were big on Camara today with Ingram out. What do you kind of think of that just overall moving forward?
2: No, I mean, I don't think that what Camara did today was actually like something that was crazy above expectation. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the reality is he saw 12 freaking targets. He saw, um, you know, 26.7% of his team's target share. Um, this, is, this is insane. When you have a weighted opportunity rating above 50 for a running back, that's volume. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fade that. Um, obviously, he's an efficient player with that volume. And so when Ingram comes back, if he's still priced at what he is and he gets half of the volume, that's when I will jump off that train. Um, but I think we're going to have to see. And, I mean, in Kansas City, you know, Tyreek saw, you know, what, 73% weighted opportunity rating. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking the same situations when we were talking about fading these guys last year when, you know, Tyreek would have three targets and two of them would go for
1: 75-yard touchdowns. I mean, uh, he, had, he had eight targets on 27 yeah. throws for Mahomes.
2: Yeah, this isn't this isn't the same situation. If you're trying to fade these guys now because you think regression is coming, it's I mean it might be coming, but it's it's not. Um, the volume is there to at least help sustain some of it.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to understand that coaches see how good these guys did last year, and they're like, I should give that guy the ball more. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's definitely fallacy to think that they will just continue to see the same volume they've always seen, right? Yeah, if, if Tyreek Hill gets eight targets a game, I mean
2: it's gonna be bad if you don't play him
1: yeah bro i i mean i had zero percent today and i feel yeah. pretty fishy about that i'll be honest so all right boys we'll we'll fun week one for us huh yeah it was it's good to have nfl back it's yeah. good
3: to have nfl back it's beautiful i'm so happy i am too i
1: and i'm pumped you know they should do two monday night games every week i don't know why they don't do this every week it's such more
2: a island game. games the better
1: yeah I'm, I'm into it. But, boys, this was fun. Hopefully the rest of this year is as profitable and good as week one. Uh, we know it won't be. There will be some ups and downs. But this was a good start for everybody. Good start for the Gilcast. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at SammyReedFI. You can follow Nate on Twitter, at NateNoling. And you can follow Josh on Twitter, at Fantasy ADHD. For Josh and Nate, I'm Sammy. Take care, you guys. This has been the Go, Go Cast for the week one.